Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening and also to explain why you might hear ads like this before, during, or even after an episode. We're a small but mighty team here at Realm, and to help fund our shows, we promote products or services that we think you'd enjoy from a variety of sponsors. If any of our ads interest you, one of the best ways to support us is by visiting the link or using the promo code in the ad. It's pretty much a win-win since you can get some great deals and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm slash partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This podcast is for mature audiences. It contains graphic violence and adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. Realm presents Blood and Gold. Starring Richard Gabral, Episode 15. 1853, Arroyo de Cantua, California. The United States lays claim to more of Mexico with the Gadsden Purchase, buying nearly 30,000 square miles of Mexican territory for $10 million. This land will become Southern Arizona and New Mexico. When I returned to Arroyo de Cantua with almost 50 stolen horses, a few days after ambushing Love's Posse, I expected to see Pedro Vergara grinning and gloating about how he had killed Pancho Dominguez and brought back Antonia, willingly or not. But although men gathered around us, many avoided my gaze. Reyes Feliz approached me with a glum look on his face. Where's Vergara? He hasn't returned. Have you heard anything from Los Angeles? Did Dominguez kill him? Yes, I have. But Joaquin, we need to get in touch with some of our spies there. Have them look into it. Joaquin! Reyes was clearly exasperated. He had something else on his mind, but I didn't want to hear about it. The situation with Antonia had been weighing on me the entire time I was away from the camp. I wanted it dealt with. Just tell me, what's the news? Reyes seemed to realize that nothing else was going to be discussed before I found out about Antonia. Pedro killed Dominguez, but it was a close call. People are saying that Pancho laid a trap, expecting you to go to Los Angeles yourself. He was lying in wait for you in the hotel room, having paid the clerk in the lobby to alert him if anyone showed up looking for him. He meant to kill me. That's what I've heard. In the end, Pedro survived the trap and killed Pancho instead. But then, Antonia killed Pedro. She's still there. She knew about the trap then, and probably how Pancho said it. Nobody else could have hurt me in that way. She killed Vergara. 
¿Cómo? It is said she got him drunk, pretending she was ready to come back here with him, then shot him in the head with the derringer when his guard was down, on an empty street after dark. I wanted to think that Antonia was not capable of coolly firing a bullet into a man's head when he was too drunk to defend himself. I knew better though. So she's still in Los Angeles, working in a brothel. No, no. It seems she was only visiting an old friend of hers who was still in that line of work. The other girl was having problems with the madam there. So Antonia was trying to sort things out on her friend's behalf. And before you ask, word is that Antonia and Pancho were not lovers, only friends. Friends with the man who planned to kill me? My head and heart didn't know what to make of all Reyes had told me. Was I relieved that my woman was not actually selling herself to others? Or furious that she had chosen to kill a man rather than to return to me? See, something her father once said came back to me, sounding now like a warning. A girl knows her own mind. She's been her own creature for years now, and always would be, it seemed. I'm sorry about Antonia, but Joaquin, please listen to me. There's something else you need to hear. I realized I had been thinking only of myself, of those who betrayed me. I wrapped an arm across my brother-in-law's shoulder and drew him away from the crowd. What is it, Reyes? Have you heard what happened in San Andres? San Andres? No. What? The Mexicanos there. Their homes. Love and his men. They burned down the Mexican side of town, house by house, trying to force our people to tell him where you are. He even set fire to a Catholic church used by whites and Mexicanos alike just because the priest was one of us. My jaw dropped in horror. I couldn't believe my ears. And no one stopped him. Our people did not fight back. He and his men had guns and, from what I hear, most of the town's white population backing him up and cheering him on, whooping and hollering as he torched their neighbors' homes and possessions. Our people were outnumbered, outgunned, and perhaps too accustomed to backing down when bullied by American lawmen. Some angry Mexicanos fought back, charging Love and his rangers to protect their homes. A few drew guns, others wielded knives, rocks or fists, only to end up dead in the streets. The rest could only watch helplessly as Love burned innocent people out of their homes because he wants you dead or alive. Dozens of Mexicanos driven out of San Andreas by Harry Love's brutal assault showed up at Arroyo de Cantua. And so did dozens more, then hundreds more. From every corner of the state, they brought families in some cases. Some brought horses or guns, or both, ready to fight. Most didn't know why they had come. Only that Joaquin Murieta had put out the word that he needed them, 
These past years, I had been there when they were in need. I had provided gold, manpower, jobs. Whenever a Mexicano had a dispute with a landlord, a banker, a miner, trying to drive him off a claim, a lawman targeting the Mexicanos in his town, I had been ready to help. See, now it was their turn to help me fight our oppressors. And they answered my calls in droves. Arroyo de Cantua filled up with humans and horses. Tents and makeshift structures went up in a hurry until what was once a camp started looking more like a city. I sized up the man as they arrived to determine who would be best suited to joining our rebellion. I wouldn't turn away any Mexicano who came to the Arroyo, but some would be more helpful to me than others. I had learned to judge quickly from a man's stance, his demeanor, sometimes the number of visible scars or the way they carried his weapon, who would be valuable in a fight and who would be better off staying behind, tending to the livestock and feeding the hungry. Bringing so many people together resulted in disagreements, even fights. When the mood started to turn ugly, I spread the word that I would address them all that very night under the full moon. They needed to truly understand what we were fighting for together. With the help of Reyes and Tres Dedos, I arranged a makeshift stage that elevated me several feet above everyone else and positioned me so the full brilliance of the moon shone upon me. A rare hush descended over the arroyo. I cleared my throat and begin. My friends, thank you one and all for coming to our aid at this hour of need. I am no politician or speech maker, but I want to share with you my reason for calling you to join us. For too long, our people have been mistreated on this land that is rightfully ours. We all know what happened recently in San Andreas where an American lawman burned Mexicanos' homes and places of worship for no reason but cruelty. See, California was stolen from Mexico by means of fraudulent war, a war that had never had any justifications but was itself merely a pretext to attack our nation and steal territory we had long held. Our government turned over California to stop the slaughter of our people. We are gathered here on this piece of ground that is part of Mexico, contained within the boundaries of California for one purpose, to take back what is rightfully ours. Together, we will rid California of the American scourge. What they took from us by force of arms, they will lose the same way. We will mount up and ride bearing torches and guns. We will kill every American we have to and set fires to every field, every house, every business from north to south. We'll drive the interlopers out before us until the survivors are forced to escape by sea or flee back to the east. When we reach the southern border, we'll declare the line non-existent and California will belong to Mexico once more. 
This was met by another roar, louder this time and more sustained. I bask in it. This is what I was made for. I hadn't been put on this earth just to kill and steal, but to inspire my countrymen to take back what had been lost. And I could do it. Mexicanos would rise up from every town in the state, from north to south, ocean to mountains, and I would lead us to victory. Maybe I was a politician after all. I stepped down from the stage and the people swarmed toward me. I accepted embraces and thanks. People reached across rows two and three deep just to touch my shoulders or to grasp my outstretched hand. For more than an hour, I accepted their adulation until finally the crowd thinned. People returned to their tents or cabins, though still the arroyo was noisy with conversation about what they heard. I watched the ranks of my supporters, my Mexicano brothers and sisters, disperse, then started toward my little house. My mind buzzed with vivid images. A thousand mounted warriors thundering across the rolling hills and meadows, hoofbeats echoing from the Sierra Nevada to the sea, putting the torch to everything in their path that had been built by the whites. We would cleanse the land with blood and fire, as depicted on my birthland's flag. The eagle of Mexico would devour the wicked serpent. I was so lost in my own thoughts that I almost didn't notice Florencio Cruz emerge from the shadows until he spoke up. I wrapped my arms around my friend and drew him into a tight embrace. Florenciero, mi hermano, what do you think? Cruz seemed to tense up at that, and I released him. Something wrong? They're right about you, Joaquin. You've changed. Who's right? Who says that? Some of the men, the ones like me, who've been with you for the longest. Changed in what way? Of course I've changed. We all change with time. Not like you have. You started believing the stories told about you. We're bandits, that's all. We ride, we rob, and sometimes we kill. But we're not statesmen, and we aren't heroes. You think you're something special, placed here by God to restore Mexico's glory. You're a horse thief, Joaquin. That's all. I never said I was special. Cruz's distaste seemed to fade, replaced by a deep sorrow that slumped his shoulders. Then I realized his shoulders weren't just slumped. He was reaching for a gun. See, si. lo dijiste. All that vanished from my mind as Cruz brought up the revolver. Reacting instinctively, I stepped quickly to my left and at almost the same moment, moved closer to Cruz. He tried to track me with the pistol, but by moving farther to his right, I forced him to hold the gun at an awkward angle. Then by stepping in close, I made his shot even more difficult. If he squeezed the trigger now, his bullet would fly far to the side. Even as I moved, I was yanking my own revolver from its holster. 
I was close in, directly in front of Cruz. As he tried to bring his weapon back around to where he could use it, I fired twice, point blank, into the belly and chest. For almost half a minute, he didn't move. I couldn't have missed at that range, but I wondered if perhaps he had tucked a frying pad or some other armor under his shirt. I was raising my gun barrel to point it at his head when he finally started to react. His fingers spread and the pistol slipped from them, landing on the grass already damp with nighttime dew. He stumbled backward, his head tilting forward as if to examine his own chest. Then his knees gave out and he buckled, pitching forward onto the grass. By then, people were running toward us. Tres Dedos burst out of the house with the rifle in his hands. Todo está bien. Se acabó. He's done. Who is that cousin? Florencio, I thought he got mad. He trumped me. I had no choice. He tried to kill you. He tried to. I stopped myself. I was going to say, assassinate me. But to have finished that sentence would have proven Cruz right. Had I really lost my way? Did I think I was more than a man? More than a mere horse thief? Was my entire plan delusional? The ravings of a madman who forgot him what he came from? No, I couldn't allow myself to believe that. California was Mexico. If the Mexicano army wouldn't fight for it, then I would. Perhaps once I set that example, the government would realize what I had started and would send the army to help finish the job. Mexicanos in California needed a hero. And if it had to be me, then so be it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. As the canyon filled with volunteers and horses, the camp took on the air of a military operation. Without knowing it, Harry loved helped. He and his rangers swept through Mexican communities throughout the state, demanding to know my whereabouts. They killed random men to demonstrate the serious nature of their demands, torched homes and businesses. Still, no one gave me up to him. But in his wake, people streamed to Arroyo de Cantua from every town he attacked. Tensions were high, fights broke out sometimes leading to death. As their leader, I couldn't turn away from the necessity of administering swift justice, 
even when it broke my heart to do so. None brought me more sorrow than when I had to kill Humberto Mota, who had himself killed two others in a fight over a woman's attention. The deed done, I retired to my room in the little house, closed the door, and wept. A gentle tap sounded at the door. I wiped my eyes. Si. Oh, oh, Manuel, it's you. Entra. Resdedo stepped inside. He sat on my bed and uh, he laid a hand on my shoulder. It is a hard time. It is indeed. I think we should take a trip. You and I. A change of scenery. To refresh your spirits. And to show you what I saw on the recent journey I made. In San Francisco. Tres Dedos rarely left my sight. But he had been summoned by an uncle. And had needed to make a quick trip to that city. Así es. And that's where you want to take me? Así es. I thought about it. Perhaps he was right. That some time away would do me good. And if he had something specific in San Francisco he wanted me to see, then I wanted to know what it was. He had never steered me wrong. What about the volunteers? Let's split them up among the trusted lieutenants we have left. Send them out to acquire horses and whatever loot they can find. If they're going to join bandits, they need to see what it's really like. Then we'll all meet back here in a few days and prepare for what's next. I like the sound of that. San Francisco it is. Leave tomorrow, first thing. Gracias, hermano. Let's call our lieutenants together and lay out the plan. Then we'll sleep and rise with the sun to begin our voyage. I'll wake you. You never get up that early on your own. San Francisco was a revelation. Tres Dedos and I reached it at nightfall and made our way through crowded streets laced with fog until we found the St. Francis Hotel at the corner of Clay and DuPont. We ate in the restaurant, then retired. Although we didn't expect to be recognized, in the morning I streaked flour through my hair to make me appear older and Tres Dedos wore gloves to disguise his missing finger. I didn't get my first view of the city's breadth until we stepped outside after breakfast. It was staggering. A structure of some kind, from ragged tents to three-story wooden buildings to palatial mansions made of brick or native stone, occupied every bit of open space. Although I couldn't see where any room to build more could be found, I heard the sounds of construction everywhere. Hammering, sawing, even a steady thumping sound that Tres Dedos said was a steam shovel leveling hills of sand near the coast. Leaving our horses stabled and ourselves dressed in finery, discreetly carrying only a few weapons, we set out to explore on foot. The bay we found was jammed with ships in places 
five or six deep, waiting their turn to reach the docks. Their mass formed a virtual forest. I thought a man might be able to leap from one to another to reach the city without touching water. Smaller boats ferried passengers to shore from those farther out. There must be hundreds of men in those ships. All of them coming to California? Hundreds on each ship and more ships every day. Some are French, Italian, Chilean, even Spanish. But most are Americans. Thousands of arrivals every week. This is what you wanted to show me? Tres Dedos swept his arms in circles. All of this before the gold rush. This was a sleepy huddle of tents known as Yerba Buena. In the four years since, it's become a city to rival any other. You saw it last night. Heard it when we were trying to sleep. This city never rests. All it does is grow. He was right. People thronged the streets. Chinese and Africans and Mexicanos, sure. But mostly white. Americans by the scores. Wide streets climb hillsides and drop down to the water. And not one of them looked empty. We strolled aimlessly, seeing every sort of business. From laundries to grocers to publishers to the American theater. Where signs indicated that Lola Montes would soon perform? We spent the morning just wandering never by ourselves on any street we crossed. Most people who acknowledged us at all greeted us cheerfully. Here, it seemed, no one feared Mexicanos. We stopped for lunch at a restaurant that had tables outside as well as in. As we ate, Tres Dedos talked. I'm glad you came with me, Joaquin. I saw this a few weeks ago, and it's been on my mind ever since. It's astonishing. I've never seen so many people in my life or such a grand city. I understand how you feel about the Americans, my friend. I agree with you. They're a scourge. And California shall rightfully fly the Mexican flag. But you'll never stop this. The California you and I know, the gold camps and the miners and the isolated communities, they aren't the threat anymore. This is the threat. And even with a thousand men on horses, we couldn't put a dent in it. We can't even slow it down. It will only grow and grow. So you're telling me to give up? <laughs> I've always been smarter than you. But since when have I been able to tell you what to do? I'm only suggesting that you look at this and consider your chances. You could kill 500 Americans a day for the rest of the year, and 5,000 more would take their place. Their numbers are as limitless as their lust for gold. It's the same in Los Angeles, Monterrey, even San Jose. It's happening everywhere. We've already lost California, cousin. It can't be turned back. What would you have me do then? If I were you, I'd go home, 
You have wealth beyond anything you have ever dreamed of. You can spend the rest of your life as a Hidalgo, a grandee. Didn't you say that was your ambition when we came here? To return once you were richer than Rosita's father? You've achieved that and more. Here, you'll always be a hated outlaw. There, you'll be an honored nobleman, a hero. A hero? You think so? You know how those people at our camp look at you with admiration? I dare say some worship you. In Mexico, I am sure people will feel the same way. Go home, Joaquin. You might not have conquered California, but you conquered the hearts of our countrymen. No man could have done more. Let me think on that. And thank you for being honest with me. I've never promised you anything more, mi hermano. The first thing I noticed as Tres Dedos and I rode into the canyon was the noise. The ride back from San Francisco had been quiet, contemplative, only occasionally broken by conversation. I heard many loud voices, but there was something strange about the sound, something hollow. Inside, the camp looked normal at first glance. People milled about, moving from tent to tent or chattering in the open areas. Horses stood in the meadow. But a second glance showed me that those horses numbered perhaps 300 or a little less. When we left, there had been almost 800. I'd hoped to have a thousand horses in case I could raise the thousand men I expected. Now though, I can see about 400 men and not even enough horses for everyone to ride. Lopez came running to meet us. He didn't wait for me to ask what happened. California Rangers came while most of us were away. They took all the horses, said they were driving them to San Juan Bautistas to return them to their owners. The Rangers were here? How long ago? Three days, they say. We just got back yesterday. Most returned the day before, and there's still a few groups who haven't made it back yet. All those horses we gathered? Over weeks and weeks? Gone, boss. All gone. Was it Captain Love? Yes. They said their leader called himself Captain Love. He's also the one who... Lopez didn't finish his sentence, but he glanced at the flagpole in front of the house. The flag was gone. I dismounted and stormed over there to find it draped over a chair torn and filthy. He cut the flag down himself and he let it fall into the dirt. They say Mexico, he declared, before riding off with the horses. I hate that man. I've never hated anyone more. But even as I spoke the words, I knew it wasn't true. The men who had defiled Rosita had earned my undying hatred. That still burn within me. Everything I've done since, every man I killed had grown out of that. Hatred, 
have ruled my life for years now. You know this man, Love? I knew him when I first came to California. We were friends. But now this, there's no enemy like a former friend. But how did he even find this place where we betrayed by our own? Love had been relentlessly terrorizing innocent Mexicanos to try to force them to inform on me. Had someone finally surrendered to his brutal tactics? I don't think so. I overheard a few of the rangers talking about Love getting a tip from a nosy waitress in Los Angeles who overheard two suspicious Mexicanos talking about this place. One of them got careless and mentioned Arroyo de Cantua by name. Then all Love needed was a map. Which men? What are their names? No way of knowing. Somebody had a loose tongue at the wrong place at the wrong time. That's all. Tres Dedos looked at me. Now that they know this place, they'll be back. Won't take long either. Getting all those horses to San Juan and sorting them out will take a little time. But he knows you'll be back here. I wouldn't be surprised if he left spies behind. And even now, they're racing to let him know you've returned. As usual, Tres Dedos was right. This place, so long a haven, was safe no longer. I looked at the people scattered around the camp. Over time, several of my most trusted lieutenants had ended up dead or in jail. These volunteers were farmers, miners, laborers, but not hardened warriors. They had the spirit, perhaps, but lacked the necessary skills. And instead of nearly a thousand horses, we had only a couple hundred at best. My vision of Mexicanos tearing up and down California's hills and valleys, putting American property to the torch, was only that, a vision never to be realized. Gregorio, call everybody together. I have something to say. Call me when they're ready. As Lopez turned to obey, I walked into the house, head down. I felt overtaken by a deep and profound sadness. But within it lurked a surprising twinge of Something like hope. Tres Dedos tapped on my door. They're ready, Joaquin. I'm not. The sooner you get it over with, the sooner it's over. Bueno. Está bien. I opened the door. I had changed from my traveling clothes. Put on a black silk shirt and black pants with the red sash about my waist. I wanted at this moment to look at least moderately impressive. Tres Dedos was still wearing a sarape caked with road dust. I let my cousin lead me outside 
The people waited, spread out across the meadow, but all looking my way. The hush was remarkable. I stopped at the spot where I believed everyone could see me. Mis amigos, I called you here to attack Americans, to burn them out of their homes and businesses, to drive them from California and return it to the Mexican rule. You came by the hundreds. You came and you made me so proud. But I'm standing here today to tell you that I am wrong. I was wrong to want to burn them out, just as wrong as they were to San Andres and the Yaqui camp and all the other places where they burn your homes. Just as wrong as they were at Matamoros and Monterrey when they invaded Mexico in a war they fought only because they wanted to steal California from us. And that was before they even knew about the gold. Now they do and they'll never let it go. They would kill every one of us to keep it, and they have numbers to do it. The way to take revenge on the Americans is not to fight fire with more fire. It's to live among them, to upset their expectations, and to never let them forget. You're here. My mistake was in becoming what they expected me to be, an outlaw. They called me a horse thief, and I became one. They called me a killer, and I kept on killing. But no more. As of today, I will only be who I want to be, not who they want me to be. And I bid you to do the same. The more Mexicano outlaws they see, the more convinced they're right. And that's not true. Mexicanos can do anything, anything at all. My friends, you should sing, dance, drink, make love, be happy. That will confound them more than anything else could. That will drive them mad. I brought you here for a revolution. I've learned that the revolution I had in mind is impossible. Instead, we need thousands of revolutions, personal ones. You can each be a revolution by yourself by showing the Americans that you are honest, hardworking, peaceful, loving, and kind, as I know you are because that's the Mexicano way. I wasn't sure how to end. And once my feelings had started spilling out into words, I'd gone on longer than expected and felt like I could keep talking until the end of time. No, I decided, keep it short. I took a deep breath, raised my hands high and shouted, Gracias. Gracias a todos por venir. Thank you all for showing me the strength of our people. Viva Mexico. 
that raised the cheer from the crowd that seemed to shake the stones from the heights. I turned away from them and saw Tres Dedos standing to one side, clapping softly, a huge grin on his face. I strode to my friend and embraced him. Y muchas gracias a ti, hermano. Tienes razón, como siempre. Yes, you are lucky to know me. And I you. I could never speak to a crowd like that, much less spur them to action. We need some action ourselves. We need to clear this place before the Rangers return. If they know how many are here, they might bring an army with them. It would be a massacre. I've spread the word among our men. They've been passing it throughout the newcomers. By nightfall, this camp will be empty. I have just one question for you. Yes. Where are we going? You should go home, back to Trincheras, where it's safe. I'm not going anywhere. I have one more thing to do. What's that? I have to kill Harry Love. You're listening to Blood and Gold, starring Richard Cabral. Blood and Gold is a Realm production in association with Stryker Entertainment. Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. At Kraus, Captain Fluger sent me to help you out. Joe Antonetti, welcome to the basement sweat box of the detective unit. The Kingsbury Run murders, a.k.a. the Cleveland Torso murders, our very own Jack the Ripper. You think he's still out there? If he's not dead or locked up, why'd he stop killing? Or did he? Who was on the phone earlier? A detective. He wants to pick my brain about an old case. There's another body over here. Oh, mother of God. Why do you think we asked you to come all the way back to Cleveland, Pike? It's either Elliot Ness you'll want to know about, or it's the butcher. Let's start with the butcher. You were there at the beginning. September 5th, 1934. You remember the exact date? I remember every damn detail about the butcher case. And we want to hear about Gus Frayne. I need your help, Detective Pike. Will you tell anybody in the future about what's about to happen will need to be a fabricated narrative. Frayne's long buried. So is Elliot Ness. Yeah, but I didn't shoot him. Crooked River is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Blood and Gold stars Richard Cabral, based on the novel Blood and Gold, The Legend of Joaquin Murrieta, by Jeffrey J. Marriott and Peter Murrieta, produced by Marco Palmieri, Fred Greenhalge, Kaylin West, and Haley Wagreich, adapted for audio by Greg Cox, directed by Fred Greenhalge, executive produced by Molly Barton, Marcy Wiseman, Russell Binder, Peter Murrieta, Julian Yap, and Richard Cabral. Historical notes read by Elena Ray. Spanish dialogue translated by Alana Grafham. Regional dialect coaching by Luis Armando Mercado Campos. Sound design by Eric Mooney. Mixing, mastering, and additional sound design by Rory O'Shea. Audio editing by Corey Barton. Original score by Juan Carlos Enriquez. Music supervision by Marcus Begala. Production manager, Alexis Latshaw. Production coordinator, Angela Yee. Casting by Sunday Bowling and Meg Mormon. Cover art by Kendall Thomas. Executive in charge for Realm, Mary Asadolahi.
Find more shows like Blood and Gold by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm. 